2: Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We hope you are keeping very, very safe and well. Thank you so much for joining us as we bring to you the big match preview here on Last Word on Spurs as we build up to the visit of Brighton at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Saturday. In this jam-packed show, we'll be discussing the headline news of the week so far where Tottenham Hotspur have decided to freeze season ticket prices for the upcoming 2023-24 season. We'll be also discussing Christian Cellini's management and what we would hope and like to see change from Goodison Park to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Saturday and whether he will make those necessary changes. We'll also be discussing some of the out-of-form players at the moment, Min Son, Diane just to give a mention to. But look, we're going to be honest with you and say there's a number of players that have been out-of-form this season, not only those two men and is there an opportunity, finally, for Arnold Danjuma to pull on a Tottenham Hotspur shirt? Right, lots to get through here on last one on Spurs. Delighted to be joined by John Wenham over at the White Rose returning. Anthony Costa's Blues very own back on last one on Spurs. And always keep us entertained. And always, always keeping us on our toes. We've got the wonderful Jar Wobble on this show. Two musicians, one man who loves the youth. We're in for a stormer here on Last Word on Spurs. But we have to open up with what was the breaking news on Wednesday. And that is that Tottenham Hotspur have frozen season ticket prices for the next campaign. In light of the ongoing cost of living crisis and amid serious fan unrest around the football club. Now, it must be said that the decision from the club will come as welcome news to supporters as clubs such as Man United and Arsenal have already elected to increase their prices for the next campaign. A statement on Spurs' website read... We should like to take this opportunity to thank our Syndicate holders for their support throughout the current campaign. The focus is now getting behind Christian Stellini, the coaching staff and the team for the remaining games as we fight for the highest possible Premier League finish. The statement went on to say, Due to global economic events, we, like all other sectors, are not immune to rising costs and disruption to supply chains, along with higher energy prices. We are, however, acutely aware that everyone is also currently impacted by the rising cost of living. With this in mind, and following consultation with the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust, we can confirm that syn ticket prices for the 23-24 season will be frozen, we recognise and greatly appreciate the ongoing commitment our fans continue to make in showing their support for the team. And the club went on to say that also they shall be working with V12 Finance to offer payment option to supporters wishing to spread the cost of their ticket across 10 months, subject to approval. Payments will commence in June and continue for a further nine months. Now, I do want to just say, um, the THST, we have them regularly on here in Last Word on Spurs, they get a huge amount of flack and criticism for not doing enough. And it's fair to say they have played a major, major role in ensuring those ticket prices were frozen. So can we just give you know, some absolute credit to the wonderful work the THST do? They're voluntary, they do it out of the goodness of their own heart and they've made a massive, massive help here in ensuring these ticket prices remain frozen ahead of next season. But John, I'm going to come round to you if I can for your reaction because I know ahead of this show, you was building yourself up a bit of a form of defence for the fans and almost ready to be criticising the board for their lack of clarity so far on the season ticket prices. It's almost like they read the script, John, because they seem to know what you're going to come with and they've now announced the news. So give me your thoughts on it, John, and how you feel about now we're finding out those prices are frozen for the upcoming season.
1: Yeah, hugely surprised and, and positively surprised because we'd seen the report from Matt Law last week saying that Tottenham were considering a sizeable increase to already the most expensive season tickets in the Premier League, possibly in Europe. Um, so I was obviously delighted that Tottenham have gone you know, gone back on any thoughts they had about upping the prices, um, because that would have been plainly unacceptable. And that would have been a tipping point for many fans that have remained uh, on the fence so far in terms of the ownership of the club. Um, so I think the club had to freeze the prices. There was no way they could tangibly up the prices of already very, very expensive tickets. So I'm pleased they've decided to do that. Huge credit to the Tottenham Hotspur supporters trust for the work they do behind the scenes in ensuring that us match going fans do get, um, you know, to support the club and uh, are not priced out in a way. So so I was pleased with that. Just on season tickets, though, Ricky, I think it comes to a bigger question now of what are the actual benefits of being a Tottenham Hotspur season ticket holder? Okay, so unless you are in the top, say, 2000 to 2500 loyalty point holders, you will not get away tickets. They get taken up by the the, the fans with the highest loyalty points each season. And it's a kind of closed shop as to those fans getting the tickets. So others pay their money. and You pay it all up front in one go. I know the club do have some sort of finance option as well. But the the idea is that you pay it up front in advance. What benefit do you get? I said, you don't get away tickets. You're never going to get into that group, select group, that do have the allocation of away tickets. Um, So you're just paying up front. And uh, tickets you can get for almost every game on the ticket exchange. I know, and you told me this season you've had no problem even for the likes of Arsenal and other big games of just getting tickets on ticket exchange as a member. So I'm starting to question what the benefit is. You just give the club all your money up front. What do we see in return for that? What what tangible benefits do we get a season to get older? Is they going to ask me to pay 1200 1300 up front? But what are we actually seeing from that? You know, I, I don't know if it's actually worthwhile and need more. Um, Being a season ticket holder, I understand in the past you could sit with a group of mates and that sort of thing in the old stadium. That's been really diluted with the move to the new stadium. That doesn't really happen anymore. So I just wonder if many, despite the price not increasing, will bother to renew next year when they can get tickets just as easily being a member.
2: And I'm going to come round to you. Absolutely great to have you back on last one on Spurs. Always a pleasure. Love having you on. We know a to get Tottenham who have not won a trophy in 15 years is already among the most expensive in the country. And there had been widespread reports of a possible hike to the prices heading into the 23-24 season. But it looks like Spurs have ultimately now had to read the room, given the serious fan unrest that we find at the moment. So I'd love to get your thoughts on it, Anne, that this move now marks the second year running in which Syndicate prices have remained the same by the club. But ultimately, Anne, I'd love to know from you, really, if they had a choice in the matter, given the situation we find ourselves in, where the club doesn't have a manager... The director of football has been banned We're well, without a women's manager as well at present. And I think there's also speculation over the academy manager too. So did they really have a choice in the matter around regards to the scene ticket prices?
0: Unfortunately, they couldn't have no choice, mate. Um, I think if there was a new manager in, a new set of eyes, so to speak, on the club, then you might you might say, OK, they might up it a little bit because they can see a vision, um, but not... not they could, I think they've done the right thing today by, by freezing the prices. Um, I know a lot of my friends are are quite relieved of that because, again, you know, we're, we're in a world now where it is the cost of living crisis and going to watch Tottenham is a crisis. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think for us, how they how they dealt with it today, yeah, they had to. They had to. And coming to what John just said, you know, Tottenham Hotspur trust. fair play to them for standing up for what they believe and being a voice of the fans and stuff, yeah. I'm really, really chuffed that they've frozen the uh, the ticket prices. But coming to what John was saying, because I've been a, a one Hotspur member for now for like three years, two three years, it's so easy to get tickets, and I've been to so many games this season. And I think if you've got that season ticket, where, where, my job especially, I'm sure Jar will say as well. I don't know whether I'm gigging from one day to the next. Do you know what I'm saying? So I I, I like to, the fact that I can pick and choose where where and if I want to go. Um, so. Yeah, the beauty of being a one Hotspur member is so much better. But let's see, let's see what happens. Um, for me, the most important thing at the moment is getting this club in order and getting a manager and getting it sorted asap. Because I, I don't, I don't trust for one minute that we've got nine cup finals now. Because you know, Tottenham and cup finals don't really go well. So I just hope that the uh, I just hope that the football becomes a little bit more bearable these next couple of weeks.
2: Jar, if I can bring you in, always love having you back on last one on Spurs. We're always going to get honesty with you, that's for certain. We know fans have until June the 1st to renew their season tickets, a much later date than last year's, April the 29th. And of course, as I mentioned, that comes with the club without a permanent manager and in serious danger of failing to qualify for the Champions League. I do just want to bring in what the supporters' trust said, where they welcomed the news and said it would have been unreasonable for the club to expect fans to pay even more money next campaign. They said Spurs fans will be relieved to read the announcement of a freeze on ticket prices at a time when we are all feeling the squeeze from the cost of living crisis. This is very welcome. The trust is pleased that the club has responded positively to our representations, that prices should have been frozen and that the renewal window should have been extended beyond the end of the season. This is something we have argued hard for because fans truly are the heartbeat of the club and we believe to ask them to pay even more to watch the team next season would have been unreasonable. Asking ticket prices remain amongst the highest in the Premier League and in Europe. Football must be accessible if it is to retain its integrity as the people's game. Many are already priced out of seeing their team play, and there is a danger the match-attending demographic will change for good, impacting on passion and atmosphere. They finally said, we meet regularly with the club's ticketing department, and will continue to press the club to ensure ticket prices do not escalate And that consideration is given to how we reward loyal fans, as well as encourage a new generation of seed ticket holders. We will continue to lobby for the things that matter to Spurs fans, including match day pricing, European group stage categorisation and packages, and the removal of booking fees. And again, I just want to make that point. Massive, massive shout out to the THST. But John, give me your thoughts on the back of that news, and whether you ultimately feel the club did have a leg to stand on with regards to keeping those prices the same, had they even wanted to change them.
4: I was surprised. I sometimes wonder. This is a question. I wonder what term Daniel Levy and Joe Lewis have for Tottenham fans. If they have one, it's probably a pejorative term. But I think they might not even have a term. We might not even have a label. You know, if we do, it's probably a pejorative one. I think there's absolutely no respect there for the supporters. And I think if they thought they could stick the prices up and get away with it, fantastic. I'll tell you what, I sent my season ticket back. A, just a few seasons ago um at the renewal time with a rude with a letter a complaining letter to Daniel Levy it was ridiculous really as if you're going to get a reply you know it was one of those and furthermore you know letters and so anyway that was it people said you're mad a tottenham ticket season ticket's like a heirloom well i got invited a couple of years ago so much for the 70,000 waiting list yeah so much for the big long waiting list. I've got offered a season to get again anyway, and took it up. Yeah, so I lost all my points as John was saying earlier for the away games. Well, good. I don't want to be at away games watching us get torturous football, giving away you know leads the way we do. So no, I think the I think the football club is beyond fast. Every time we come on here, it's it's with We're talking about how bad it is, and it just goes from bad to worse. In any other industry, an ailing company that was being that kind of mismanaged in terms of its front-end operation, which is football, would get the tin tack. You know, would be moved on. But, of course, it's not about that. We all know, don't we? We've all come slowly to realise really what it's about. And I'm sure in the eyes of Joe Lewis, Daniel Levy's doing fine. You know, they, they, they've been able to use supporters' season ticket money as kind of seed money over the years, you know, and, and and everything else. They've not, I don't, as far as I know, they've never put in a huge amount of money themselves as such. So they've been very clever until so they get to the point they get the the, the stadium built on, on basically with a mortgage paying for it, you know. So it's, you know. It's it's happy days and they're building a big brand and the thing you'd want to do if you're building a big brand you want to have a dependable you want to have market forces you can depend on who would want to depend on the on the vagaries of football we don't depend on that so you want to make that brand the football brand a mascot brand that isn't terribly important as long as you're around the top six let alone the top four.
0: Hi everyone, Crackers here with your round up and rundown of upcoming Legends events for you. 28th of April, Glenn Hoddle is at Worcester Cricket Club for the Worcestershire Spurs Supporters Club. 19th of May, Dean Saunders is at Hardwick FC Clubhouse for Hardwick FC in Gloucester. On May the 26th, Razor Ruddock, the one and only Razor Ruddock is at Dartford FC and on June the 23rd Michael Dawson at Hereford FC for the Herefordshire Spurs Supporters Club, so there you go there's a rundown and flavour of some of the upcoming events for you, please check out at Mr Cracknell across the socials where I'll
4: be putting posters up with details on how you can get your tickets
2: John, I do think that is a perfect segue into Everton if we have to go back through it. And maybe just question whether we do feel Stellini can do a job in these next nine games, given what we had to witness in that final 20, 25 minutes up at Goodison Park. Because once again, John, we saw Spurs' inability to kill games off there for everyone to see. Spurs moments, minutes, seconds away from moving into third and quite simply threw the game away. Just simply threw it away. I've got to say, that last 20, 25 minutes, I can't think of a worse 20, 25 minutes of being a Spurs fan in recent years. It was absolutely, utterly horrendous. So I have to get your thoughts, John, on the performance, the result at Everton, and ultimately whether you feel is up to the task now in these next nine games to even try and give us something to hope, to pray, to be optimistic for at the moment.
1: I certainly expected us to have a go, you know, to be presented with an opportunity. Everton have done well under Deitch, right? Their home form is good. They've beaten Arsenal. They've had a couple of other 1-0 wins at home. They've had quite a, a formula for grinding out three points in their home fixtures. But, you know, we had a fantastic opportunity when they were reduced to 10 men to go on and really take the game to them, do some front foot attacking football, get the fans on side for the last nine, 10 games and to really give the fans something to believe in and sing about. And that away end would have been bouncing had we gone on and progressed and and showed some front foot attack. And we were presented in a wonderful opportunity, but we did not capitalise on it. It was like the red card only led to us retreating into our shells and it was more negative, turgid football. Um, And it was just really frustrating and definitely two points dropped. I've got to be honest, it was a real waste. Uh, We were presented with a fantastic opportunity that despite the horrendous season we've been having, to actually go third, albeit briefly, and others having a couple of games in hand, and we just threw it, you know, threw it away. The subs made us progressively worse. Sanchez came on and was panicking. Um, you know, you've got Mora, who that was just madness from him to do that. And, and and obviously you do have to feel for poor Dan Juma because you know, the fact that Lucas has announced he's leaving at the summer, he shouldn't be involved anymore. You know, he's announced he's leaving. Let's build with a future of players that are going to be around. And Dan Juma, you know, he's come over, he turned down Everton to have a chance at Tottenham, but we're not giving him the opportunity to show why he should be bought. I still feel very, very sorry for him. I really do. Um, this is a guy that, you know, he's not some unknown player. He scored six, I think, Champions League goals last season. So, you know, for me, he should have been given an opportunity. And that was a real 2 points drop from Tottenham once again and continues our horrendous away form. You know, that defeat at Wolves.
5: 3-0 yep.
1: at Southampton. The 4-1 battering at Leicester. haven't beaten anybody since. Um, so, so, yeah, really worrying times for to Tottenham at the moment.
2: Yeah, you just said that there, John. Our, our last four-away results out bring you in. Everton won, Spurs won. Southampton 3, Spurs 3. Wolves won, Spurs nil. Leicester 4, Spurs 1. Those teams respectively 13th, 15th, 19th and 20th in the league. And we couldn't any of them. So when you think about that, how can you even suggest Spurs should be anywhere near finishing the top four? Which to be no. fair, I mean, given once these teams do play their games, I don't think Spurs will be. But I mean, how concerning is that? And the amount of times that we are quite literally throwing away games at the death, you know, 19, 20 times when you're in the ascendancy Spurs, of Binance, have been at Southampton and Everton, you see those games out, you have six points. Rick, we've always,
0: we've always had this, though, every season. I mean, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, John or Jar, jo, or even Rick, stuff. When we, when we have to win, we never do, OK? And I'm, I, you know, I'm going to do a little bit of a rant. When we have to rely on other teams to do us favours, it shouldn't be like that. We should be concentrating on ourselves. Like tonight, we're going to be fifth by the end of the night. So that's more chasing, chasing our tails. You know, come Saturday, Brighton play some good football, and I think that they could do a, do a number on us with the way we're playing and our confidence is is at the bottom. But we should, we don't deserve top four if we can't be beating these teams. I'm sorry, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. Okay, you, you drop a point here and there. That's just Tottenham. That's what we do. But the way we did it on Monday night and the way we did it against Southampton, that's twice now where the, the the opposition have scored in the 90th 91st minute. To nick a point. See the game out. Just see it out. No, we have to make it more difficult for ourselves. And as John said, the minute they went down to 10 men, okay, we should have just gone at them straight away. And when they went down to 10 men, they played better than us. Well, it's not hard, but do you know what I mean? It was like, who's down to 10 men now? Is it them or us? We just went back in our shells. Well, we should have just gone for it and having two shots on target the whole game. How are you going to be supposed to win football matches like that? It's
2: not good enough. It's not. I mean, look, the, the mad thing is Spurs have lost almost as many games nine as the three sides above them, yet they've somehow had the joint third most wins 15. They've got the highest goal tally in 53, albeit almost 20 fewer than the top two. And it is mad when you think for context that, you know, Spurs have only lost just two of their last nine Premier League matches. But I think, again, you mustn't get away from the fact that the style that Spurs have played in for the majority of the season, you know, I think that's the biggest, biggest thing, here, if I can bring you back in, Jar, is that we all were expecting maybe Salini to do something different. And I think the fact that he didn't really change anything, I think that was the biggest frustration. But can we expect anything different, Jar? This was Conte's right-hand man. And he even said on the Friday presser beforehand that he disagreed that the football had been poor. So were we really right to think there was going to be any change in the style of football at all?
4: Well, we all took the shine to this fella. Uh, and we'd done very well in the games against West Ham, Chelsea and City at home fantastic I mean we really very solid performances didn't give any of them teams a real sniff at goal you know um so in that respect it all good well I knew it was you know it was bad and that he was just going to be Conte's man when I saw the lineup because what you would want is an indication but any proper team would be finding a left-sided youngster to come and, and, and be trusted from the academy yeah you know you would you, you wouldn't go with Perisic now you know he's just he's Perisic Conti signing not good enough not not we all had wondered what it would be like in the Premier League he, especially defending he's not got enough about him he hasn't got enough pace and athleticism to get past people he is not a bleeding left back that's obvious so any any team worth its salt would rearrange it would either bring in a youngster to play left wing back or it would somehow, it would do something tactically clever and thicken up the midfield, you know. At times, people said they did look a bit like a three-five-two 5 2 against Everton because Kulu was coming back a bit. But you've got to do more than that, yeah. You know, and, you know, this Dan Juma. Okay, it's Everton. Well, tell, you know, tell him, go out there. You know, he's a professional footballer. All this stuff, that they didn't put him on because they knew he'd get a bit of a reception from ever. Come on, you know, you'd say to him, right, you're going to really get a reception tonight, but you go out and you rise to it, yeah, take people on, and you know, he should have been played. But at the very least, you should have some something more, something going on. And it's just a, a dead duck, and they'd be better off to let this Stellini go because they're obviously made a decision after lots of thought. To stick with the system now, rather than introduce a new system that might be proved difficult for these, well, these players just idiot. You know they're no good anyway, because as Anthony was saying, you know, and John has said, you know, you go down to ten. If you are going to sit back, then sit back in a good shape. And actually, they didn't really. They were struggling to make anything happen. So if you're going to, if they they're, they're going to come at you fiercely, then sit back. But really, sit back, sit deep. If you've got to. But if you, but really, ideally, you should press and go on the front foot. They were kind of trying to do that, but they're just hopeless. You know, Son shouldn't be starting games at the moment. He's absolutely out of form. He's everybody's favourite player at Tottenham. We all love him, and we love like we love Harry Kane. You know, the only one who come out of any credit was Harry Kane, because Harry was determined to get something from the game. And what he'd done going down old in his face, all this criticism he gets, we'd all do that playing football. You know, even in a leading five-a-side, we'd try and get, gain an advantage. You know, that's football, you know. So, you know, he was the only one. None of them, you know, Kulu looked absolutely lightweight. You look at the stats, they, they were just so weak. It was just so easy. The same old Tottenham, weak on the second balls, yeah, getting just nudged aside by a team who wanted it more. You know, it's, it's the same old Tottenham. This crept into the Tottenham DNA from the 70s. I've seen it creeping. It's not the last five years. It's not the last 10 years. It crept right back in. The game I saw it start with was Derby County at home in an FA Cup replay. We went 3-1 up. They put us under pressure. The crowd got on, the, on Spurs back and we crumbled and got beat 5-3. And it just crept in. And it's come to the thing now where it's just absolutely ludicrous that you put the slightest bit of pressure on this team. As Conti yeah. referred to in his rant, they will crumble. The slightest bit of pressure they cannot deal with. You know, we've seen it time and time again. So you, you're going to really need to, it, it, who their next manager is, is kind of immaterial. The
2: game management, John, I have to say, in that last 22 minutes, I mean, to allow an Everton side in the relegation zone to dominate us and dominate us when we had the goal advantage, we had the extra man advantage, and we should have been really... Trying to assert some kind of control in that game, you know. Spurs, we had only three touches in the opposition box when they went one nil up, compared to Everton's thirteen, and they had twenty-two touches in the final third. Everton coming in at seventy-nine, and uh, and them hosting or edging the position at fifty-two percent to forty-eight. I just when I read this stuff, John, I'm, I'm baffled as to how this seems to be allowed to happen. It's not the first time we saw it under. Uh, Unfortunately, we've seen it under uh, Mourinho as well to some degree. Harry Kane has spoken about the fact that there does seem to be this admittance that we do seem to, as players, naturally fall into this habit of falling back far too easily. Do you think, John, this is all to do with the manager or do you think this is a mentality mentality issue that does need to be eradicated from the players? Well, is
1: this a a thing that's been built on the players over a number of years? We've now had three defensive-minded coaches in a row, starting with Mourinho coming down to Nuno, would be it briefly, and then into Conte. Now, is it that the players have been training in a style that is so defensive since now 2019 that they no longer have those attacking abilities and instincts in them to go and seize and go and, and attack teams and go and go for the jugular? Is it now that we just built in this way where we try and see out results and we do everything not to concede? But we've never had the defenders good enough to play that way. You know, it's all well and good hearing about what, Conte did at Inter or or Chelsea or Mourinho did at Chelsea or whatever, when they had the likes of Carvalho and Terry and Galas. We've never had defenders of that level in recent years. You know, the closest we had was was the partnership of of Aldeweireld and Vertonghen, but that was during the Poch time. Um, We've never had a solid backbone of defenders. So this insistency on playing with three as well, when we haven't got two good ones, it is really, really worrying. And that was the thing I was probably looking forward to most about Stellini and Mason coming in, was maybe... We'd maybe bring a Papasar into midfield and look to control the game further up the pitch, you know, and have just the two centre-backs playing. But for me, this persistence of three at the back when we don't have two good centre-backs is really worrying. I was at Hotspur Way two weeks ago and watched us beat Arsenal um, comfortably, play the better football with good homegrown young players. So we do produce the players. It's just about sometimes getting the opportunity for some of these players to come through. We mentioned earlier, you know, is there a left back or a left wing back in the academy? For me, that's probably the weakest position we've got in the entire squad. We lost a very good young left-back in Jaden Magoma to Southampton last year. Um, He obviously left for financial reasons at the time and maybe because of a pathway to the first team. But uh, it's certainly an area where Tottenham invented a new upcoming left-back. It's why they wanted a boy called Thierry Small in January, if you remember the reports. Um, And I'm sure they'll look at him again in the summer. But yeah, left-back is desperately an area in the academy we need to invest in. Um, And I hope Tottenham can address that in the summer because, you know, I expect Perisic to move on. I know he's got another year to go on his 180000 contract, but I think he's the sort of guy that maybe doesn't need the money or won't hold us to ransom or make it difficult. I think if Inter put their hands up and say, look, will you come back? I'm sure him, Tottenham and Inter can agree something. You know, Ryan Cessignon, for me, has never recovered from those hamstring injuries. He'd be one I'd be looking to move on with two years to go on his contract. Um, so we're left with, with, you know, obviously Destiny's coming in, and I hope that he's given the number three shirt. I hope he's given a full preseason to, to blend in because he looks very, very good in the Serie A highlights we're seeing. Um, um, but we, I think we do need another left back as well, or a left wing back this John, summer, certainly.
0: John, sorry, mate, to cut you there. Sorry. Um, yeah. We had Divine and Mundell, Mundell on, on the bench the other night. Now, yeah. give, you should have just given him a run out. Give him a run out of 1 0 up. Who knows what they would have done? All right, it's ifs and buts now and maybes. But yeah. as you said when we started talking, more has come out and said, I'm leaving at the end of the season. So give give the two youngsters a chance. Give, even 10, 15 minutes.
2: Mm. But this comes yeah, on to my point, I mean, though, Anne. But, Anne, we've, we've got Dan Schumer on the bench. The guy, I think, was in the Champions League team of the year last season. He scored six yeah. vital goals for yeah. them. It's, it's yeah. baffling the non-selection right. of him. And, I, again, I, w- I will bring it back to that. But just if I can come back to you, John, for a second on this, with Stellini... Do we really expect him to change? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, wherever Conte goes, Celini's going to probably follow him. So he's never going to really, you know, change the playbook really massively when that is all that he's known in terms of Conte's way. And going to have to add this point that we're asking the players to prove they want to, you know, prove Conte wrong. But when you think about it, John, they've not really been given the chance to breathe because they've still got the existing management team there. So they've not had a chance really to... Overcome Conte leaving the club because most of the backroom staff are there, and these players have been used to working that way because Conte has been out for sustained periods of illness where he's been missing anyway. So, for the players, really, apart from Conte not being there, nothing has really changed. So, when I think about it on reflection, was we right to even really think there's going to be a massive change, John, on this? Well, I don't know. It's interesting because under
1: Stellini, actually, look, I know people remember the West Ham, Man City, and Chelsea games, right? Three games that we won all of three clean sheets. He also was the manager who took us to Marseille when we went and won, one of our biggest away wins in Europe for me for a number of years. He also managed us in the 3-0 at Preston. So the only game he actually lost was the 1-0 Sheffield United defeat. Um, So I was expecting a little bit more attacking impetus and I was expecting a bit more exciting football. Yeah, I thought, you know, with Ryan Mason there as well, I was thinking maybe he would exert himself a bit more on Stellini and I was expecting a bit more. So I was left really underwhelmed and a kind of feeling of depression for the last nine games. I don't feel any optimism that we're going to go and attack teams. You know, we lost home to Brighton last year and they've improved, actually. Huge credit. Yeah, you know, exactly. We're talking about maybe potential managers. Roberto Deserbri has lost Bisuma in the summer. He lost Kukarela. They've now lost Trossard in January. They just seem to continuously scout new and exciting players.
2: Can I tell you one man, John, that seems to be pivotal there? Paul Barber. So have lost Paul Barber. That now looking on reflection again. I, I can't quote what that man does day to day. But all I know is that subsequently, since walking into Brighton, he's made them a better football club. They have a succession plan when they lose players. They have a succession plan when they lose managers. And it is massively concerning when you look at when Paul Barber left Tottenham. And you look at what Spurs' decision making has been like over these last four or five years. Don't tell me it's not a direct correlation in Paul Barber leaving the club to some of the horrendous decision-making that we've made beforehand. There has even been reports, I think, and Jonathan, if you qualified to say this as well, you know anything about this, but Spurs actually tried at one point to bring Paul Barber back. So I just wonder how much of an influence he's been missed around the yeah, club. And some, cool. again, no disrespect, some might not understand his influence, but he was a very big figure at Tottenham in that boardroom. And I think he's a massively lacking figure right now that we could do with at the football club. Yeah.
1: And actually, Ricky, it brings us nicely to what Jar mentioned earlier about you know, Tottenham DNA and people that are in the club that breathe and feed it like we do. It's the issue we've got. Remember Arsenal's Amazon documentary? We saw the cameraman before they played Spurs come in there and let it rip like all of us would do. Us, the listeners, every Tottenham fan. You know, that was somebody speaking from the heart. And I worry if we've got enough of these kind of people employed at the club that really drill it into players, what it means to wear the badge, what it means to go out there and play in front of those fans. I don't think we do. You know, we've, we've lost Paul Barber, who was a Tottenham fan, by, by the way. But, you know, there's some people in the club, they're putting some in the summer from, from up north and, and other places. I just worry if they have enough Tottenham identity in them that it rubs off in the players and that every day they feel the, the passion and how we would feel playing for the club. And I do think that's a big issue. I think Arsenal is drilled into their players from a young age to hate Tottenham, to grow up not liking us, you know, to realise what it means. So when they come out in these games, they're ready. They're, they're, you know, those, those away games for us at the Emirates, Arsenal come out so on top of us from minute one. Atmosphere is loud and the players understand what it means. I'll never forget. We we played them um, early in the season, and they just signed this guy Lichtensteiner. He was like a a right back from Juventus, older chap, right? He had no affiliation to Arsenal before whatsoever. Eric Dyer just scored for us, went over to the Arsenal fans, giving it the shush and all that. He realised he needed to stoke the fans up, right? So he picked a row with Ali and Dyer, even though he was a sub. He got what it meant. He got them back on side. He got the fans up for it. A bit of fight, a bit of passion. And then they got into us from that point onwards and we lost the game 4-2. It was like a siege mentality that had been just put into him since joining the club. You know, you must take Tottenham, you must go out there. And I just worry sometimes we have the right characters at the club that that put the Tottenham feeling into people when when they come and play for the club. I really do.
2: Well, I think that is the perfect time now to turn our attention to what is going to be a huge, huge game for Tottenham Hotspur on Saturday against Brighton, of course, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We are going to go for that break. Take you into that break. You're going to hear from Charlie Haffenden from We Are Brighton, who gives you a Brighton perspective on how he feels that game is going to go.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Okay, round
3: two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh,
5: sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, forward by law, 18 plus and conditions apply. website for details.
4: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
5: Hello, my name is Charlie Haffenden at Jerno Haff on Twitter, and from a Brighton perspective, this weekend is pretty exciting for me. Uh, I think this fixture has been a pretty decent one over the years, uh, especially over recent seasons. But at the moment, it's the best it can probably ever be, uh, at least from our perspective, because Roberta De Zerbi has got us playing some remarkable football. It's uh, something we've never really seen is a level this high. I mean, this is the best Brighton have ever done in a Premier League season, a top-flight season in their history. We are of course without a major trophy in our history so to see ourselves at the moment in a genuine fight for europe is an incredible achievement this game for Brighton is huge it's huge for Tottenham as well because sides are closing in Manchester United of course on equal points despite playing two less games but Brighton have also played two less games four points behind at the moment this could genuinely be a huge uh, result for how the European football ends up this season whether Brighton Spurs get Europa League whether they get Champions League whether they get Conference League it really is that tight at the moment especially with the likes of Aston Villa, Liverpool, Brentford below Chelsea I think out of it now as well as Fulham But plenty of teams in the mix. Uh, But in terms of this game itself uh, and team news and how Brighton might set themselves up... Well, they're unbeaten now in the last five games. Win, draw, win, draw, win. And away from home, we're actually playing pretty well. Of course, last season, away at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, we did get a victory, a pretty famous one. Um, Andrew Trossard scoring very late on, and we kind of dominated that fixture, to be honest with you, and, and deserved to win it. So I'm very glad we did. However, the last time the two sides played, it was a 1-0 win to Spurs. It was the reverse. Uh, I was at that particular game, and... Probably again, Albion did better and probably deserved a bit more. But as so often we have seen with the Seagulls over recent campaigns, sometimes it doesn't quite end up the way it probably deserves to be. Um, But nonetheless, you did get the three points in that one. Will you do that this time? I'm not too sure about that. And the way Brighton line up is pretty effective, to say the least. And it's not just players of experience that you expect to do well. It's youngsters that a lot of people haven't heard of. Or at least if they haven't heard of them, they probably wouldn't have done about a year or two ago. They really do break through. The, the scouting system is sensational at the Amex. The way that Tony Bloom, the owner, Paul Barber, the CEO, they run things. is uh, is a model that probably every team in the Premier League should be following, unless they're above us at the time, like uh, a Manchester City and Arsenal. Probably the only two at the moment, not that you want to hear that, but probably the only two that are being run in a better way. Maybe they're not. Uh, but yeah, looking at starting eleven, rambling on now a little bit too much about ownership, um, I just do love the owners. Jason stealing goal is a weird one, because you might remember from that Sunderland Till I Die documentary a few years ago, he was the goalkeeper that was shambolic, you know, people took the mick out of him and and how bad he was. But now, his distribution has made him a player that Brighton can genuinely rely on between the sticks. He's been really effective. The back four's been pretty effective as well in terms of playing out from the back. The way that Roberto De Zerbi lines up his team is passing out patiently until the opposition is drawn in with the press and then the defenders the likes of lewis dunk and levi colwell adam webster the likes will play a a pass normally across the floor but with pace beyond that line of attackers that are pressing and all of a sudden three four players have disappeared from the opposition and we can push on forward and that's when the pace picks up so i'm expecting stealing goal um, Estupinian at left-back, Duncan Colwell at centre-back, and then Joel Veltman typically is our right-back at the moment. Tarek Lampty's caused some nightmares for you over previous years, but his fitness at the moment isn't quite there. Uh, in midfield... It's likely to be a duo of Alexis McAllister and Moises Caicedo in the middle, as well as Pascal Gross, who can run for days. He's got so much energy despite the fact he's approaching or is already 30, I believe. On the wings, it's got to be Karim Atoma and Solly March. They look undroppable at the moment, that pair. You might have them in your fantasy football teams if you play that. They've been that good, creating so many chances, having opportunities of their own. And then leading the line, it actually is quite a tricky choice at the moment between um, Danny Welbeck and Evan Ferguson. But Ferguson, 18 years of age, scored against Bournemouth, has been scored in some big games, including against your North London rivals Arsenal this season. I'm backing him to play again. Uh, When he's fit, he just seems to be so well-rounded and so mature for his age. And I think he will start and quite potentially score yet again in this game in terms of score prediction i think albion might just edge it at the moment in terms of confidence and the way the fans are feeling i think our atmosphere in the away end is going to be great of course an fa cup semi-final soon against manny nice in a couple of weeks also in north london there's so much excitement at the moment so um i think brighton will just about edge it and win 2-1 the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium uh, but best of luck for the weekend it should be a good game regardless of the results and if you want to see any more from me in the lead up to or after the game you can follow me on Twitter at Jono Half take care
3: okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry ooh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for Chumba Casino Ch- that's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
5: ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, formally prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology, enabling organizations to make data driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development to. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people, enabling organizations not only to make the correct hiring decisions, but also how to benchmark, train, and retain them. Phoenix 51, powering your people decisions through every part of the employee
2: journey. We're joined here by Anthony Costa. We're joined by John Winnemar at Lily White Rose and the musician... Jar Wobble, two musicians and a man who loves the Spurs youth. What more can we ask for on this last word on Spurs? Jar, I'm going to kick things off with you. We're seeing Brighton at the moment very much in the mix for a Champions League place. Many will feel this is the audition for Roberto De Zerbi as the next Spurs manager. They've had an unbelievable season, as we seem to keep on saying about Brighton. Their succession plans have been absolutely amazing. The way in which they are able to... Deal with player recruitment, changing the managers, just generally as a football club, absolutely pristine at the moment, it feels both on and off the pitch. So give me your thoughts on what you're expecting ahead of Brighton to come on Saturday.
4: They're a top team now. They play great football, their tells are really gonna be up, and they'll come and they'll, you know, they will really fancy the job. They will fancy the job. And if Tottenham's got anything about them, just the senior players and their pride they will know what they're going to have to do. Um, they, they can't go toe-to-toe with Brighton. They're just going to have to, re, you know, they're going to have to do what they did if they can against West Ham, City um, and Chelsea. Cut, cut all the space down, sit deep so there's not much space to come through the middle, push them around the sides and defend the box, which they did well, to be fair, in those three games. And you know what? Wouldn't it be nice? We know, we're not, you know, we know Sonny's not going to have a great game on, you know, he'll start probably, won't have a great game, Kane's dependable, um, Kula isn't fantastic at the moment, but if you're going to play 3-4-3, I guess you're going to start with Kula. but you know, I don't know if Ricardison might be fit, but start Dan Juma, start Dan Juma, and this Zerbi, why would he go to Tottenham, why, why would you go to Tottenham, he will have the choice of big clubs, I don't see him coming to Tottenham, you know no manager worth their salt who's who's thinking of their career path will go to tottenham and and unless it's you know a different a brendan rogers now whereas he would have turned this down two or three years ago brendan rogers now would would be you know would probably take it maybe pochettino if he doesn't get real madrid would possibly take it but we you know we're looking ridiculous we're looking ridiculous the fact we were still in the top four until very recently was like one of those freak mathematical equations you get you know every now and then you'll see on twitter a freak mathematical equation that doesn't make any sense and it's just a freak math that it isn't going to last i think we probably won't even get europa league this year you know i think we've, we're, we're really fold so let's just see if they've got anything about them, where they can just have a bit of fire in their bellies and know what they've got to do, and just look be the underdogs going into it, playing at home, and get stuck. Because if we go two, if we go a goal or two down, wow. the crowd are not going to stick with them. It's going to get very, very ugly.
2: As you mentioned there, Jar, that if Spurs were to go a goal down. The atmosphere in that stadium is going to massively, massively. Well, it's already going to be fairly flat, in my opinion. I just feel that, you know, you look at the nature of the ticket take up for the game. I mean, I don't need you to, te- I don't need you guys to obviously see this as well. There's a huge amount of tickets on the exchange where, again, there's a great opportunity there to go and support the team. And again, I have to make this point that everybody's got their own right to feel how they want about the club. Everybody's got their own right to do what they feel they want to do in terms of however they want to, yeah support the team, back the team, make their feelings known. I'm keen to know from you, John, ahead of Brighton, we've got so many players that are off form at the moment. You mentioned Kulusevsky. Obviously, we know we've got the situation with regards to Son right now. I just wonder, Dan Zuma is waiting for his opportunity, waiting for his chance. I think the big question is, if you're Stellini, what do you change on Saturday? What do you change to give supporters hope that they're going to be behind them? Because I I agree with what Jar said at the opening um, intro, that as soon as that team dropped for Everton, I think fans felt, well, nothing's really changed there. We've picked a very much Conte 11. And I'll be honest, even watching the game, you would have thought Conte was still managing the team. I even had conspiracy theories in work this week that Conte was still managing it in Italy. That's, that's the most maddest thing I heard. So, what do you want to see, John, change on Saturday from Tottenham for Brighton? I think
1: we'll have to see some natural changes because obviously Lucas is suspended. So, that's one player out of the squad. I don't know if Richarlison is back fit. So, we're probably looking. At another academy boy stepping up onto the bench, I suppose the next one, if you're looking at forward kind of players, would be Jamie Donnelly as well to be on the bench. Um, so you never know. You never know how the game's going. Maybe they'll look to, but, you know, I, I would like to see Dan Juma given a start. I really would. I think he's, he's proved himself last year at Villarreal. He's not some unknown quantity from a, a league we've never heard of. You know, he did good things in La Liga last year. did good things in the Champions League. Um, I'd really like to see him given a chance in place of one of Son or Kulovetsky. I just don't think either of them have performed. So that would be a positive start. I just want Tottenham to go on the front foot. I really do. Maybe bring in, you know, Papasar in midfield. Skip and Sarr in the midfield in the San Siro were fantastic. We've not really seen much of that. I think we need something fresh, something exciting. So let, let's change the lineup a little bit because at the moment it's just so turgid and boring.
2: Let's get a prediction from you, John. we are going to go for prediction-wise?
1: I, I think Brighton are really good. I've got to be honest with you. They've got players that, that I would love at Tottenham. Young Evan Ferguson's looking like a real prospect. Uh, they've got Casado in the midfield. Alex McAllister looks very good. Uh, the Japanese winger, um, you know, they're full of good, exciting players, actually. So they'll come and they'll stick it on us. And if the atmosphere is going to be negative and, uh, and they're not going to be behind the team, if we fall a goal behind, I do really, really worry. But, you know, I'm going to say look, we've got Harry Kane, so we've always got a chance. Uh, probably, you know, one all draw, two all draw, something like that.
2: That's for you being very honest, John. I don't think you've ever come on in and predicted a non-Spurs win. Does that tell you anything about where Spurs are at the moment? Matoma, like you said there, John, fabulous player. Absolutely yeah. fabulous player. They're playing with yeah, yeah. you no know, yeah. fear. And again, I think Brighton are in a position where they could also, you know, they'd be right on our coat house, a win. with a couple of games in hand as well. They're on our coach house for sure in terms of that battle for top four. And uh, Let's come over to you. Uh, tell me what you want to see different in terms of that lineup and selection from Stellini oh, at the weekend. It.
0: I want to see a bit of attacking football. I want to see four in the back.
2: Um, can guys pick up on I that? Think, and you're you're on. sitting there saying you want to see attacking football. Yeah. Do you genuinely think there's going to be a massive change in no. terms of the dimension and style of the way Tottenham are playing from Monday no night? One. Because I don't see it happening.
0: Not at all. You've asked me a question. What
2: yeah.
0: I like, what yeah. I would yeah. like, and what I'd like is <sighs> to go 4-2-3-1. maybe I should but ask you, what what, you what,
2: what? what do you like, and what do you think will happen?
0: What do I like? What about this club now? How as, in
2: what do, what, what, as in, what would you like to see on Saturday I'd like compared to, see to what of, you think uh, would happen?
0: I'd like to see us play with no fear. And I'd like to see us not crumble. Um, I think I don't hold much hope. I'm 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 going because I bought my ticket ages ago. So I'm going. Um, but I just think if we go 1-0 down, it's going to be toxic, boy. It's going to be toxic. And I think... I would just like to see some new fresh faces for, the, for these last nine games to be given a chance. As John said, the Dan Juma's of this world, why get him if he's leaving in a couple of weeks yeah. after the season's ended? Do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not worth
2: it. But as, a, um, as, Paddy, as Paddy says here, Ant, we're being told it's a process. But the guys have got nine games left.
0: Process? He's been there since January. So like, he's only played one game. Or one or, or ten I minutes think, of another game. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's not good enough. You're, you're sticking with the same people, and we need to get out of our heads that we've come to realise now that certain players who had a good season last season are not performing this season. Yeah. So we've got to be able, we've got to understand that they have to be dropped. I'm not going to name names because everyone knows who I'm talking about. There's two or three players there that are simply not good enough. You know, Kulazewski didn't go to the World Cup. So it's not like he's knackered or he's tight. Mm-hmm. He's just not been great. Yeah. But, you know, imagine me saying, oh, Jock Kulazeski. Everyone's going to go, oh, no, you can't say that because he, he assisted well, I, in listen, 20 think, games
2: again, ago. You have to question, you know, doesn't na- the na- nature of Son's form. I mean, Son, to me, I hate he's to not say been
0: this. good enough, this
2: yeah, I hate to say this. He, Son reminds me of the Deli Alley at the end of his yeah. tenure where he's completely fallen off a cliff. And I don't want to write Son off because he's shown for, only from seven or eight months ago, this guy won the golden boot. So I would yeah. like to think it's just a one-off season and he will come back stronger. And I put it down to maybe the coaching and the way we're being set up to play that might be having a detrimental effect on his game. But again... But
0: then you look at Sonny for South Korea, he's unbelievable.
2: Yeah. It's unbelievable. Again, he's unbelievable. Again, again, is this back to, again, the system that these players are being deployed to play? We I shall see. I think it is. I and let's get, it is, your, let's get your prediction out. What are you going to go for ahead of Brighton? Oh, man. Oh, man.
0: Oh, man. Oh, man. I don't know. I, th- I think we'll go 1-0 down and it's just what Tottenham will turn up. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it open.
2: Okay. Leaving yeah, it do open. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I understand. Sorry. I, 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 I don't
0: do and was... go, oh, we're, we're going to play some great football because I don't, I don't trust it. I yeah. don't believe I, I,
2: I can honestly say, I think people were actually dreading the game, which is actually massively concerning. But look, that's the way the where we find ourselves in. Uh, John, you kind of gave us the obituary before we even started here about this game against Brighton. So I, I'm intrigued to know, Jar, from you, what do you want to see different?
4: I would actually just think, okay, we're gonna to have to we haven't got a creative, really creative player. You're not gonna start with Divine, you just know that. But just maybe they might they might give the likes of Dan Juma a run out. Why not put him on the left wing back position? Because you've been playing with a guy that couldn't fucking defend anyway. You have a talk with um Holbeau who plays more on that left hand side of the two with skip. And you just say, look, you're going to have to cover for this boy. But the way we play, we're supposedly going to stick our wing backs right up the pitch anyway. So put a, put a left sided guy, tell him to attack as well and have fun. Have Porro really wide. You've got no options there anyway, you know, because everyone else is injured. Get him, you know, get him wide, Ricardo, and if he's fit, start with him, and have Kane drop in deep. I'll, you know. Um, you know, and I would I would actually drop Sonic as well, to be fair, you know. And you're just looking to get balls in, Rick Carlison lead the line and give Harry Kane a completely free roll, you know, which he tends to have nowadays anyway, to be honest. And if you did something a bit radical like that, you know, just a bit radical, you'd have a chance, but I don't think they will. It'll be the same turgid, bloody starting line with you know, if you if you if you did that, you'd have a chance to win the game three one or something. You know, you could you could surprise them a bit with the with the vigour that you go about them. You know, Kane spreading the ball out wide. Ricardo can be a proper battering ram. That guy, he can bully centre arms and do something. You know, and you can be getting balls into him. You know, so you you know you're basically just playing. You're dropping Kane back into into midfield a lot more. You know, from that position, and um, you know to thicken the midfield up which he kind of does anyway. Ricardison through the middle, which we haven't really done with Kane alongside him. That I could, maybe I'm wrong. And as I say, I'd be having the two, the, the, the two wingbacks push right up, you know? Then, John, then I got, push I'll right ask you
2: two quick there. questions, John, before we close it. John, we'll go around and ask this. John, uh, well, first of all, obviously the prediction for the weekend, what are you going to go for in terms of the prediction, John? M- Me? That's, yeah, that's you, John. What are you going to go for?
4: Um... My 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 heart as ever tells me three two to Tottenham in a thrilling game. My head tells me two nil to Brighton. But it'd just be a a, a a standard, easy two nil victory to them.
2: Okay, and final question, Jar. Who do you want as an next Spurs manager?
4: Yeah, again, it's a difficult question because as I've said, you know, it kind of makes it's like saying, you know, here's here's a sinking liner. You know, um, what who do you think should captain the sinking ship? You know, who'd be who'd be good? But it's fucking sinking, so it doesn't really matter who you get. But I guess I'd like to see somebody with a you know I guess it's down to a project manager, somebody who's, you know, not with we we can't get another big you won't get a big elite manager now anyway. They're far too canny these guys. They're like politicians. Um so I guess, you know, it wouldn't be Brendan Rogers, that's for sure. Maybe the Frankfurt guy, you know, and he does play free at the back, you know. I always thought that Fonseca, you know, might, have, you know, was it intrigued me. It didn't intrigue anyone else. Everyone else thought it was an awful choice, you know. But maybe him, or maybe, you know, maybe one of the young British, maybe Potter could still do a job okay. there, you know. So Potter, you know, the guy from Dortmund, but all these elite managers like Julian, Julian Nagelsman, forget it. There's no way they, or the guy Zerbi at Brighton. You wouldn't go to Tottenham. It's a big ailing thing. Why would you go there? Why? When you could go to a better run club, yeah. you wouldn't do it. So John, it was so one of them kind of guys anyway, you know.
2: John, it's always fascinating, mate. Thank you so much for your time. We've loved having you on this season. Uh, poor Blokes has to go through so many difficult nights on the post-match games. It's always to bring him on at a time when Spurs aren't depressing him on the pitch, but they always are, at least he's not straight after a game. So, John, mate, love to be back on. Thank you so much. Um, John, I want to come over to you next, if I can, just to close this. So, um, actually, two questions, if I can, on this one, John. Um, will Christian Stellini be here at the end of the season? That's the first one. Number two, who would you like to see Spurs appoint come the end of the season if it's not going to be immediate?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Christian Stellini will certainly still be here till the end of the season. I think they've made their mind up on that. So, you know, they, they, they've made their bed and we'll see what happens. But uh, in terms of managers for me, Jar's not going to be happy with me, but he uh, he ruled out two of my three choices. For me, you know, Poch probably my first choice. Nagelsmann, I think the club should be interviewing. I think he's a really exciting, young, progressive manager. And my third choice would be asking the question of Roberto De Zerbi. You know, I've, I've heard that we can't attract a manager and why would he come from Brighton? Well, look, do you want to come and live in London? Do you want more money? I still think we're an attractive proposition if sold correctly.
2: Interesting. And let's close it with you, mate. Same kind of questions to you. Do you think Sydney will be here coming into the season if we've yeah. got more Goodison Park to come on Monday night? And who do you want in the hot seat Come the
0: summer. Uh, yeah, I think I'd come on to what John's saying. I think he will be because the club haven't got, doesn't know what's going on at the moment. You see Chelsea today interviewing Enrique and he like, looks like he's going to get the job. They've sacked the interim manager and got Lampard in. They, that's, you know, they've moved quick. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, for me, who do I want in? Uh, I don't know. Uh, do you go back to Poch? Maybe. Uh, is he enough to keep Kane? I don't know. Probably, Nagelsmann, exciting manager, but again, why would you go from Munich to come to Tottenham and get and ruin your reputation? I don't know. It, it's so tough now. It's yeah. so tough, and I, I'm just sitting there going, "Who's going to come here now, knowing that what Conte has said with these players that we've got, unless they don't move on? I also if they can't think implement their own yeah. plan."
2: I also do think just to close it, you know, at the moment, how can we even be, you know, talking to managers in relation to a situation where you've got the managing director of football that is banned and ultimately any manager that wants to come to Tottenham, they've exactly. got to know what the plan is. They've got to know what the situation is. They've got to know who they're reporting into. They've got to know the structure of the club. And I don't I know would... how they can do that when they don't know who yeah. the manager, who the manager's is going to be and who the sport director is going to be. I just don't know how I, they can I, do that.
0: I know. I know. I'd lo- exactly. It's a mess. I'd love, I'd love the Zerbe. I think. Yeah. From what I've seen him this season has been brilliant, uh, watching Brighton, but yeah. on on slot, Arnie slots getting a lot of mentions. Don't yeah. know much about him, so I can't sit here and go, I'm a Dutch football expert.
5: Yeah, but I think a lot of people what... I've spoken
0: yeah. to say that he's yeah. he does play that front yeah. foot press football.
2: Only a personal opinion, I don't think this will be solved quick. I think they've got to wait to see what happens with current appeal and how that does pan but listen we will keep you in there always on the last one on Spurs as to what happens we've been joined by the brilliant John I'm over at the White Rose John thank you so much mate pleasure having you back on last one on Spurs Absolutely
1: pleasure great to be back on with you boys and uh, hopefully then you know, I'm on next week we're talking about a win against Brighton fingers crossed
2: fingers crossed mate looking forward to having you back twice in a week we're blessed and mate lovely to have you back on pleasure as always bud we'll see you very shortly I'll see you very soon Rick Star thanks John yep. cheers
0: Jar always looking forward to
2: it Jar, thank you so much, mate. Again, a massive congratulations of all of us here on the newborn and are hopeful that the little one will not be put in front of Spurs anytime soon, which you tell me he's not going to be, thank God. I've already no. done it with my
4: two boys of Spurs fans and that's ruined their lives already. I deeply <laughs> regret it, you know. Rick, Ricky, John, Anthony, lovely to see you, lads. Have a great lovely night. To
2: you, you too. Topless, Listen, from all of us here at Last One of on Spurs, thank you to our watching audience. Guys, keep safe, keep well. We're back <laughs> with you after Brighton on Saturday night. And as always come new spurs
3: sports social podcast network